When any new technology comes along, we can't say how it's going to play out. In music technology, the first inventors of recording, for example, they never thought music would be the moneymaker with the record player. They imagined businesses using the phonograph like a stenography tool. They thought they invented something for a business. With MP3s, the internet became a giant jukebox that let people listen to songs for free. Previously, they were willing to pay for them. The industry was forced to make wholesale changes, and the artists had to reconfigure their own business plans. Record labels took the hit, and artists reverted to live concerts to make a living. Today, we live with AI or artificial intelligence, and it's been around for a bit. But we're really in the infant stages of figuring out how musicians are going to stay relevant, because machines can imitate, invent, and package music for all the things we played for up until now. Welcome back to Achelerando. I'm Paula Tuttle, and today we're asking the question: What's the role of musicians in the AI market? And do they even have a role? It was the job of the radio program director to curate song lists that kept listeners tuning in. Today, we have streaming services that use algorithms built by artificial intelligence that do that same job. Every time you give a thumbs up, or if you skip a track. You're actually giving information that helps the algorithm because you're ranking a piece of music. AI is looking at what you like and what you don't like, and suggesting your choices to other listeners. So, did people do a better job? Well, in a few ways, they did. The human being could adjust the volumes and the timing between the songs and the advertisements. Streaming services often have mismatched sound levels, and the time between the songs isn't fluid. Elegance was missing from the streaming, and one more thing: the DJs they could provide extra material. They could talk over the intro and the outro and tell you about the artists a little bit. And streaming services they can't really do this, or at least not as well as a human being can. One LA-based startup called Super Hi-Fi tried to do this. Are you starting to miss radio already? All right, moving on. During COVID, the genre known as ambient music became very popular. Spotify features playlists like "Peaceful Piano," "Deep Sleep," and many others. And these genres have over 12 million followers. No one saw that coming. Streaming has changed the music business in a bunch of ways. Artists now vie for ways to stand out from the crowd, and they do things like change their names to be visually noticeable, like using symbols that aren't pronounceable. The artist formerly known as Prince might have started this without knowing. Maybe song titles became shorter, the songs themselves became shorter, but strangely enough, the vocabulary within the lyrics becomes bigger. Why is that? So the identity of a song has a better chance of standing out. When a search engine or an algorithm wants to identify a song, it's better if you have unusual lyrics. Spotify announced that the average listener spends 15 seconds before they move on to another song. 
So now the actual format of songs is adjusting, so that they can stand out or not be skipped. What I mean is the hook, the part of the song that grabs the ear. It gets put up front. The hook usually appears in the chorus. Some artists will now start with a hook more often than not. So let's look back at a great song from the '70s, "American Pie." Don McLean's hit was eight and a half minutes, and the part we think of as the chorus or the hook comes at one minute and eight seconds. Today's artists, even the superstars, are writing shorter songs with a hook close to the front. Miley Cyrus's "I Can Buy Myself Flowers" chorus hook is at 22 seconds. Taylor Swift's "Cruel Summer" also under half a minute. And the lesser-known artists are inclined to put the hook even earlier, before the 15-second mark. It's another way technology actually changed music. So when I say we're in the infancy of AI. What I should have said was, we've seen auto-tuning for quite a while, and now we're seeing auto-generated music based on a mood, a sentence, or an idea, and this leads to deep fakes. And as technology progresses, it will become harder and harder to tell if something is real or AI-generated. Problems will, and they already have arisen. So many artists have made videos where they're speaking, and there's enough to make a fake video of an artist saying anything. They could say they support a political idea, or a candidate, or a platform, and it's enough that they could damage the artist's reputation and their relationship with their fans. Google created Talkotron, which can do this. So rap is the obvious victim here. There's enough consonants and vowels in any given song. Talkatron can make Jay Z say anything. Counterfeit rap is going to be on the rise. To be or not to be—that is the question. Whether it's now blame the mind to suffer the slings and that Roosevelt tree just fucked you, or to take arms against the sea of trouble. But AI goes even further. It can build a completely new track based on data of previous compositions. Google created a homepage on JS Box's birthday in 2018, I think it was, and anyone could type in a few notes, and the bot made a composition in the style of JS Box. That's sacrilege. And the bot can do it in the style of thousands of artists. OpenAI uses its jukebox tool to create any style of music in the style of any artist. Jazz by Bach, country by Beethoven. One light in this darkening tunnel: the U.S. Patent Office ruled that AI cannot be listed as an inventor on a patent, and an AI algorithm cannot be granted a copyright. So works generated by AI algorithms can't get copyrights either. It seems so obvious, but there you go. It actually had to be enacted as a law. The intellectual property rights law community is currently assessing all the issues pertaining to AI-generated works. In the absence of definitive law, AI companies are stating in their terms of use that the user gives up any ownership or copyright 
of whatever they make the bot create. In these user agreements, the music that you make on it belongs to the software company. You're allowed to use it, royalty-free, but it doesn't belong to you. But what about the data mining, the information derived from a particular artist or composer? Aren't there some rights there? When Jay-Z's lawyers told YouTube to take down that video of him doing Hamlet's soliloquy, YouTube refused. They said that imitating someone's mannerisms isn't copyright infringement. I don't know. I think copyright has yet to come around to the century of AI. Or maybe copyright needs to be redefined. YouTube said that parodies are protected under fair use. I challenged the word fair. Clearly, we're going to hear more about this. In the 1970s, the Ford Car Company, they imitated Bette Midler in an ad for the Lincoln. And Midler, she sued and won. So happily, there is a precedent, and we can expect artists using it to protect themselves in this age of deep fakes. That's where we're headed, guys. But it's going to be a long road. What if a tech company doesn't disclose which artists they use to train their bots? So many AI programs are intended to be anonymous. The term black box refers to a system that only knows what is put into it and what comes out, but no knowledge of its inner workings. So with that in mind, we can't reverse engineer an AI music model to tell us how it created a song. ChatGPT was released relatively recently, and it's going to be interesting to see where it takes us. One drawback of the streaming era is we see less and less classical music. My friend Sam McGill is promoting the Opera Channel on Sirius because he noticed about a month ago it went away. Now there's maybe two or less classical stations left on Sirius. There's a petition on change.org to restore the Met Opera Channel to Sirius. I signed it and I hope you will too. It's really important to keep this and other classical music channels because now it's up to us to preserve classical music. Please go to change.org and search for Restore the Met Opera Channel on Sirius. And I'll post a link in the show notes. That's it for this week. Keep supporting live music. We'll see you next time.